Hey, thanks so much for joining us on our Summit Church podcast. If you are new here, we want to help connect you with God and all that he has in store for you. We hope that this inspires you, strengthens your faith, and gives you hope to live your best days now. Enjoy the message. The two most important days in your life is the day you were born and the day you find out why. There's nothing more important in life than discovering God's purpose for making you and then entering into that destiny and purpose. I think a lot of people have a subconscious fear that if I submit my life to God, he's going to make me do what I don't want to do and marry somebody ugly. Oh, yeah. But God never calls us to do what he hasn't equipped us to do, and I'm going to prove it. Philippians chapter 3, verse 8 through 14, Paul says, What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from legalism or some law, but that righteousness which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus apprehended me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining forward to that which is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> Quick summary of all that reading. Paul wants to know why God made him and why God apprehended him. You remember God slapped him down off that horse and blinded him on the road to Damascus. So Paul wants to know, what's your purpose for my life? So he's pressing forward to know that. Not lurching, not stumbling, but pressing like a full court press in basketball. He's serious about it. He wants to discover why God saved him. And the keys to your calling and purpose are built into everyone in this room by nature, by gifting, and by ability. God always provides for his purpose. So I want to give you seven keys to discovering your calling and your purpose. If you've got children, this will help you immensely not comparing them. It'll help you as an adult if you've gotten off track. And it's really simple. Number one, your purpose, God's design, preceded your creation. God's purpose for you or me preceded his creation of me. In other words, before he made me, he had a purpose for me and you. Somebody had a need for a clothespin before they made a clothespin. In Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4, it says, The Lord gave me a message. He said, I knew you, Sparky, before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you, I added that, of course, there is no Sparky in the Bible, but it sounds better. 
I knew you before you were born, before you were conceived. I set you apart and appointed you as a spokesman to the world. Wow. So uh, if you were conceived in the back seat of an old 59 Ford and parents weren't married or whatever, God wanted you. God made you. God designed you. You're right on time. You're in the right place because it is. I like this statement. I didn't come from my parents. I came through my parents. I came from God. He wanted me. He crafted me. He designed me. And he planned a purpose for me. Now, it's my job to cooperate. Second key, your purpose determines how you're designed. Well, why wouldn't that make sense? See, what I'm going to use something for determines how I make it or how I design it, right? See, when we first saw a stealth fighter, an F-117, it looked strange. Look at the picture. Looks like something from Batman. All right angles and triangles and solid black. Now, why does it look so funky and weird? Its purpose determined its design, and its purpose was to avoid radar detection. So those jots those and triangles bounce radar signals from the enemy's radar away from the radar station so that it reduces the size to something like a bird, and it becomes almost undetectable. All right, can you see, in a natural sense, why it was made that way? Now, I don't know why I was born. Pay attention. Pay attention. When British Air and Air France teamed up to build the first supersonic airliner, the Concorde, and I flew it twice, its purpose was to go twice the speed of sound. That determined why it's so skinny. You can't get on this airplane on holiday vacation like the Walton family carrying 14 bags and backpacks. You won't get on the plane. It's skinny. It's small. Why? To lessen drag so it can go really, really fast. Mach 2, 25 miles a minute. I flew it at 60,000 feet at 1,435 miles an hour. Get down, somebody. Whoa. All the way from New York to London Heathrow in three hours and 14 minutes. That is boogieing. Man, that's the way. I look at that airplane. I miss it. I, I saw Top Gun last night. I feel the need for speed. I, <laughs> that is one beautiful aircraft. Well, now look at this next picture. They're spoons. They're all in the spoon family. All right? That first one's an ice cream spoon. Why is it weird? Well, it's made thicker. It's made stronger metal because you're going to slam it sometime this weekend into frozen ice cream, and you don't want to bend it. So it's, its design is for its purpose. You wouldn't want to use it for soup or your cereal. You go to the next spoon. It's bigger so you can get more cereal or soup into your mouth. And then you've got the teaspoons. You can stir your coffee or your cream or whatever your tea and mix your sweetener with it. All of them are spoons, but they all have a different design because they have a different purpose. So do your kids. Why can't you make A's in math like your sister? Because I'm not designed for that. I've got another purpose. And that helps you not compare 
and create rivalry between your children, and it keeps you from self-examination of comparing yourself to somebody else. So your design is perfect for God's purpose for your life. So stop arguing with God, with the mirror, and whatever else you think about yourself, because your design is perfect for what God purposed you to do. A bird is designed to fly. A fish is designed to swim. So my design, your design, is perfect for my purpose. Number three, your purpose predicts your potential. Your purpose predicts your potential. It's not the other way around. I hear people say all the time, oh, he's so full of potential. And that's what the ballet teacher tells parents to keep getting your money. Kids that are good at it catch on quick and keep improving as they practice. But even if your kid is clumsy, they'll tell you, well, they have potential. What nonsense. See, potential is overrated. I know a lot of Christians loaded with potential who never do anything for the kingdom of God. I've got a package of brand new batteries in my backpack. They're full of potential and full of power, but they're worthless until I plug them in to their purpose. Does that make sense? You and I aren't worth spit till we plug in to what God does. He loves us, but we're still not worthwhile until we're plugged into what he made us to do. See, Hollywood and Nashville, full of gifted people who are all looking for their break. But you have to be willing to find the thing that you've been designed to do. Proverbs, the book of wisdom, chapter 26, verse 13, says, the lazy man says there's a lion in the street and won't go forth to work. Try that with your boss this week. In other words, he always has an excuse for not going to work. But as long as you make excuses, you'll stay addicted to the wrong things and you'll never walk into God's purpose. People who complain they have a discipline problem actually have a destiny or vision problem. Discipline is the product of a destiny. And discipline without destiny is just legalism and bondage. Uh, for example, if you're going to run in the Olympics, why will you train on a hot day or a cold day? Why will you deny yourself a lot of calories, a lot of ice cream and chocolate cake? Why will you get out of a warm bed on a cold day and go train to work? Well, it's not what you want to do. It's what you must do to get to your destiny, which is I want to win a gold medal. So that vision is causing me, without a lot of effort on my part, to say no to stuff that's going to keep me from winning what I want. What do you want? Where do you want to go? What do you want to be? Okay, what price do you have to pay? Well, that discipline to pay it comes from seeing what you're made to do or be or you want or God's put in your heart. Then you pay it gladly. It's simple. I looked at my father when he was 58 years old, and I said to myself, I didn't want him to push my head through sheetrock. I said, I don't want to end up like you. So I realized how I eat, exercise, and live is going to be determined by choices I make different than he made. And for 78 years, that's kept me on track. Yesterday, somebody looked at my forehead and said, do you Botox? <laughs> I said, I've never Botoxed. Well, where are the wrinkles? I don't know. 
Ask God. I don't know. I don't know. And I've had them pull my hair to say, did you get a, did you get a plant? I mean, these are real people, folks. Not, not my friends here, but just people doing business, going to whatever. But I remember that, remember that moment, 58 years old, and I thought, that's your future, boy, if you don't make choices different than your daddy. And he had, what, five marriages? I thought, this is not going to be on my watch. No, no, no. I want to make better choices. Number four, God's purpose is contained in your nature, right? Nature is defined by Webster as the particular combination of qualities belonging to a person by birth, origin, or construction, or training. So God's calling and purpose is contained in you, and if it's a gift, it comes naturally out of you. You don't sweat it. You don't hype it up. It's natural. Birds are not only designed to fly, they love to fly. Fish don't have to be taught to swim. It's in their nature. Anybody had a golden retriever? They love to jump in the water and retrieve. And if you don't let them, they'll pull your shrubs up. We've had three. They love to retrieve. So when you try something for the first time and your friends say, man, you're good at that, we'll say he took to that like a duck to water. It simply means that you have that gifting. You're designed to do it. It's in your nature to do it. You make it look easy. Ever watch hunting dogs? They lay around in their pens half dead all day. But you let the guy back up in a pickup near their cages, and they know, hey, we're going hunting. And they go berserk. It's in their nature. You don't train a hunting dog to get excited. Hey, these are the woods, Fido, and you need to get excited. No, you have to do that for Christians, but not dogs. See, when that dog is released into the environment they were designed by God to perform in, they love it. They come alive, and so will you. You won't be saying, well, thank God it's Friday. I don't care what day it is. I love it. I'm alive. I'm breathing. I'm doing what I love to do. I don't care what day it is, holiday, Christmas. I, I don't care. It doesn't matter. So the, I don't know how many people hate their life their job, and what they do. It's horrible. People are mad, road rage is out of control. Dude, you are not doing what God made you to do. Why didn't they teach this when I was growing up? Could have saved a lot of trouble. So the nature of a person is a powerful clue to their calling. God wires all of us different. But contained in our nature is the thing that relates and conforms to the calling and purpose of God for your life. I think it was Marcia Sinter. She wrote the book, Do What You Love and the Money Will Follow. Even the world has figured that out. Jesus said in Luke 16, the children of this world are wiser in their generation than the children of light. But Christians tend to believe that if they obey God's will, they'll be miserable. What total nonsense. God won't take a Guy, for example, who's got a piano, a guitar, a powerful sound system, hundreds of CDs and podcasts, who writes music constantly, and then make him the mailman. That isn't going to happen. No, no, no. David Pells wanted to be a golf pro, a PGA golf pro. But when he discovered how good the average touring pro was, it dawned on him, I'll never be another Jordan Spieth or Phil Mickelson or Tiger Woods. So he realized that he would never be able to make a living 
as a golfing pro. But because he loved golf, he studied the golf pros. He followed them on tour. He studied every shot they hit, how far they hit it, how accurate they hit it, what club selection they used. And he began to compile tens of thousands of statistics. Pretty soon, the pros who saw this guy always following them asked Dave, what are you doing? And when they found out, they began to ask him for information. And Pels showed them where they were losing ground, why they weren't making more money on the tour. Well, the pros took that information about themselves and began writing large checks to Pels. Pretty soon, he published a book, Dave Pels' Short Game Bible, 30 bucks. He has another one called Dave Pell's Putting Bible. So when your wife asks what you're doing, you can say, I I'm reading the Bible. <laughs> really. The point is, Dave loved golf. But while he couldn't make money as a touring pro, he stayed in the field of golf successfully and prosperously and happy. See? You could go into a career, and there are a lot of places in that career or calling where you could fit and do well. Sometimes people say, well, I feel called to the ministry. That doesn't mean getting up on stage and preaching. It might mean as an associate. It might mean uh, in, in the electronics. It may mean in the social media. It might mean as a teacher. Big category when you use that word. So God's purpose is contained in your nature. In other words, you're a natural. You think, you think God who made you is going to put you in something so awkward you just can't catch on. You just can't do it. Anybody ever discover what you're not good at? Get away from it as quick as you can. Find out what you don't do well and get away from it. But when you find out what you are good at, do more of it. And the more you do it, the better you're going to get at it. It's good to know what you're not good for. Number five, the, your calling, your purpose coincides with your gifts and ability. That's why, Steve, uh, what's the guy's name on uh, American Idol? Uh, Simon Cowell says, sweetheart, you have a lovely personality. You're a very lovely lady, but you can't sing. You ain't going to be an idol if you can't sing. Why are you even trying? The gift isn't there. Owls can see at night. Why? God designed them that way. Woodpeckers can't see at night, but they got a strong beak that can break through tree bark to reach insects they need to survive. In the movie Chariots of Fire, a Scotsman named Derek Little, who was called to be a missionary to China, was also a very fast runner. And Eric wanted to run in the Olympic Games, which he did in 1924. Eric's sister, who was Jenny, is begging him to go to China and run the mission post. Well, Eric argues that he wants to go to China and that he will. But he also wants to run in the Olympics. And Eric tells his sister that he's decided to go back to China as a missionary. So his sister is overjoyed. But he also tells her, first, he's got a lot of running to do. And his sister draws back in horror and disappointment. And Eric has to tell her, Jenny, you got to understand, God made me for a purpose, for China. But he also made me fast. And when I run... I feel his pleasure. To give that up would be to hold God in contempt. He goes on to say, you were right, Jenny. It's not just fun to win. It's to honor him. Do you see that, folks? When I run, he said, I feel his pleasure. 
God made me for China, but he also made me fast. And when you find the thing you were created to do and you do it, you're going to feel God's pleasure and delight. And it won't matter if it's being a housewife, preaching a sermon, selling cars, selling insurance, or in, uh, as a contractor in the building industry. Then you do it. And when you do it, you feel God's pleasure and you're good at it. George Foreman from Houston was both a prize fighter and a preacher of the gospel. And one night on David Letterman's late night show, Letterman asked him how he could be a preacher and a fighter. And George got up and said, hold my Bible, Dave, and I'll show you. See, people who do what they're designed to do make it look easy. Why? Because God equips us with gifts that coincide or agree with our calling. If you don't have the gift for it, move over and find out what it is. If you're young and you are totally without a clue, try a lot of things to find what you're good at. Fail quick in a lot of things to find what you like, what you're good at. Go back and read your high school annual. What did people say about you? What did, watch a theme emerge. Simple little clues to your destiny. I can remember in high school being given an office and having to speak to the class. I didn't think anything about it. I didn't have this kind of information. And then I remember in the rock and roll band in the 60s when we toured, I can remember as the young guy, they would make me go out and talk to the audience or the disc jockeys. I never knew why. I was always comfortable. They were always scared and, and really were pitiful in trying to talk. I still hadn't put it together. In high school, we had to read, can you believe this? We actually read daily devotions, a secular high school. Nobody got shot. Nobody got stabbed. We were caught smoking in the restroom, and that was about it. That's about as wicked as we could get. I remember that, and I totally forgot what I was going to tell you. What was, where, was, where was I tracking, honey? Henry, you're not paying attention. You'd have told me. Where did I? Huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Daily devotion. Right. And so you go down to the principal's office, you get on a PA system, and it's our daily bread. It's still made. And we, the seniors had to read the morning devotion, pledge allegiance to the flag and all that. It didn't really mess us all up, folks, at all. And then this teacher came to my door and the ag teacher came with her. She was a speech teacher. He was in FFA, Future Farmers of America. Do I look like a future farmer of America? <laughs> well, what they wanted me for was not agriculture, but a speaking contest for the state. Who would know? And they put me on a stage, wrote the speech, made me memorize the speech, and to share it. And I'm thinking, I still didn't get it that the gift was making room for me, and had I had better training and information, I could have probably gotten along with God a lot quicker, a lot sooner than I did. But I didn't realize what was happening. But it was in the nature way back when, and I didn't know it and didn't recognize it because it just was natural. I don't get scared. I don't get stage fright. I'm never at a loss for words. My wife says, he might not be right, but he's never in doubt. So, you know. <laughs> Number six, God provides your resources for his purpose. 
not your plans. Now, many people are doing what God never called them to do and then asking God to pay the bills. But resources, if you're a Christian, resources follow your assignment. Why people think they have a career in music when they can't sing is beyond me, or a career in Hollywood when they have no acting skills. So learn this. You never have to promote yourself. Proverbs 18, verse 16, a man's gift will make room for him. And folks, that's one of the greatest secrets about how God works. When he has put his gifting in you, your job is to serve no matter where you are or what you're doing. No business cards, no phone calls, no trumpets announcing your arrival. Just serve. Never say, I'm new in church and I want to sing specials. No, no, no. King David served. He didn't candidate for the job of king. He didn't promote himself. Joseph just served. And remember, a man's gift makes room for him. Even if you're serving in children's ministry, if your heart's right and you're serving the best you can where you are, your gift will ultimately push you up. Somebody will begin to notice things you do extremely well. They'll report that to somebody else. God will see to it that he moves you where you're supposed to be. Proverbs twenty-two twenty-nine says, See a man diligent in his business, he shall stand before kings. He will never stand before obscure men. Now, most people get it wrong. They say, I want to meet important people. Well, then be diligent in your businesses. God will see to it you stand before kings or important people. Glenn Campbell started as a studio musician and a master guitarist. Occasionally, he was asked to sing backups with many of the popular groups. He also wrote songs for others that they made hits. Ultimately, though, he became a standout artist all on his own. His gift promoted him and, over time, made room for him. So do what God has put in you, and eventually you'll find God promoting you. Use what he gives you to glorify God. How many know who Billy Graham's parents were? Well, I don't either, but they raised Billy Graham. And your greatest assignment might be raising the next prophetic voice to our generation, a president, a governor, somebody in some arena. You have no idea. That could be your assignment. Number seven, here's the last one. Learn to soar with your strengths and manage your weakness. And rule number one, you will never make a weakness a strength. So don't try. Delegate it. Stay with your strengths. That's why you need a team. Delegate what you're not good at, what you're uncomfortable with, to somebody. For them, it's a strength. And now you're going to get really good. So when I talk about delegating weakness, I'm referring to your skill, your talent, your ability, not your character defects. If you're a liar, we're not trying to manage that. Okay. If you can't handle your money well, but your wife has the gift of administration or she's an accountant, for God's sake, let her manage the money. You make it, let her manage it because you can't. Direct your children into the areas of their strengths, not their weaknesses. If they hate math and science and can't do well in it, but they make A's in art and literature, don't give them more math. Let them soar in the arts. That's a clue to their purpose and design. Find what you love to do and do more of it, but manage your weakness. 
You know, I love to cast vision. I love to exhort people, to encourage them, to achieve their dreams, to dream big. But I must delegate my weaknesses because there's tons of stuff I'm no good at. So I need people to help administrate for me, handle scheduling and meetings. That's why we have a, it takes teamwork to make a dream work. In Romans 12, verse 4, here's what Paul says. For just as each of us has one body with a whole lot of members in that body, these members don't have the same function. My finger doesn't do what my big toe does. So in Christ, though we are many, form one body, the body of Christ, let's each member of that body, uh, we belong to all the other parts, but we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, serve. If it's teaching, teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. But notice what it does not say. It does not say, if you have the gift of serving, teach. If you have the gift of encouragement, sing. No, do us a favor. No, no, no. Do what God has gifted you to do. See it, find your gift, and do more of it. I close with a little story from Mark Twain. He tells the story of a man who spent his whole life searching for the world's greatest general. They never found him. Finally, the man died, and he goes to heaven where he's greeted by St. Peter. The man said to St. Pete, hey, I'm looking for the world's greatest general. Peter said, oh, that's easy. Come, I'll show you. And in a few minutes, Peter pointed out some man and says, there, there's the world's greatest general. And the man said to Peter, you must be crazy. That man was a blacksmith in my hometown. And St. Peter said, well, that's true. But if he had been a general, he would have been the world's greatest. A lot of people just miss their calling and they get shoved by pressure, peer pressure, uh, expectation from others to get outside their gifting, and they never reach their potential. Don't let your dream die in you. Life is too short. The kingdom is too precious, and the need is too great. Find the thing that makes you tick and throw yourself at it with all your might and glorify God with it when you do. Then you will feel his pleasure. Would you bow your head with me for a moment? I hope the Holy Spirit is impressing upon you how to discover God's purpose for you. Simple keys to take the pressure off of conforming to other people's expectation or another brother or another sister. You may not do what they do, but they can't do what you do. But when each of us does what we can do, we can do great things for God. That's all. God never requests something from you he hasn't gifted you to do. And you've got to find that. Takes the stress away. And remind yourself of that among when you have more than one child, not comparing. Just find their strength. Go back and look at your annual. See what people said. Start there. People will compliment. People will take note. Oh, you, you can decorate so well. Would you come over to my house? We're, we're going to put some new furniture in, and I love the way you decorate. Would you? Well, yeah. And the housewife says, oh, yeah. I'm not thinking anything about the fact she's been gifted with the ability to see something before it's there and decorate. So you walk away saying, oh, it looks beautiful. That's a gift. 
Some people decorate food. Some people are great at serving, making organization, planning. We need all of that. And it's just as holy as standing up here and preaching a sermon. Just as holy to God. All he asks is that you do what I made. You know, a silkworm just pukes silk. And God says, that worm is doing what this Christian won't do. He's just doing what I made him to do. Puke silk. So you could have lace and ribbons and silk shirts and silk ties and silk suits. But he's doing what he made him to do. And about, I think, standing before God, that'd be about all I'd say. You did what I made you to do. Well done, good and faithful servant. Doesn't get any better than that, folks. Thanks again for joining us. If you enjoy the podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. You can hear more messages by visiting summitsa.com.